You're listening to The Weekly Brew. Welcome to the 12th episode of The Weekly Brew, your source for political, social, and sports commentary brewed up in 30 minutes or less. I'm Austin Stad, and I'm joined this week by Kevin Cook. Kevin, after a week off, it's it's nice to be back on the mic. Yeah, glad to have you back, man. It was uh, it was fun last week. I think we learned a lot about my dating life and who Zach and I are as people. Uh, but it's certainly nice to have our host and fearless leader back. And I'll tell you what, I definitely enjoyed the two shows that we put together last week. I mean, I think you guys did a phenomenal job. I think the listeners loved it. Uh, it was definitely great content, and uh, thank you guys for pulling through in the clutch. What makes you think the listeners liked it? You know, just the people that I talked with okay. uh, this week. Um, you know, we were up in Waco for homecoming weekend. We actually had a few people come up to us and talk to us about the podcast and uh, say they enjoyed it. And, you know, maybe they were lying to us. Who knows? But uh, it's at least good that people are talking about it. And uh, I think you guys did a great job going back and forth. Uh, and I thought you guys had some good chemistry, too, especially not knowing each other. So I thought it sounded really good uh, last week. So wait, are you getting recognized in Waco for the podcast? Are you becoming like a celebrity? I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> can you can you eat without people snapping your photo now? Is it getting to be overwhelming? I mean, honestly, it was, it was a little bit difficult. I mean, I had I had little kids coming up and, you know, asking for my autograph. Uh, so that was, you know, kind of humbling uh, a little bit. But uh, no, it's it's a complete lie. <laughs> I was going to say, if your little kids are asking for your autograph, that's why I can't swear it, then I get it. <laughs> Exactly. It's a family-friendly show, Kevin. Yeah, if the audience doesn't know that, I have been instructed uh, that I am not allowed to swear or say any perverse things, and that's a very firm rule, so you guys are welcome for that. I think it's just for the best. But speaking of Zach, uh, Zach is not with us this week. He's actually traveling uh, to Amarillo to uh, be with family. Uh, his grandfather is not doing that well, and uh, just keep him and your family in prayers. And our other host, Jeremy Paxson, was supposed to be on the show today, but uh Poor weather in Houston this weekend has actually kept him stranded in Waco, Texas, so he will be unable to join us, so it's just being you this week. Yeah, uh, prayers go out to him. It is pretty bad out there. Apparently, there's some kind of hurricane or tropical storm. I don't really know. I was seeing things about it on Twitter, uh, but uh, be safe, Jeremy, coming back. Yeah, I actually drove back on Saturday evening uh, throughout the storm, and it was, uh, you know, light rain until I got toward College Station on Highway 6, and things really intensified. Some high water on Highway 59 and 610 here in Houston, but uh, no flooding, which is nice for a change. You know what people in a national audience love? Uh, traffic talk from the local city of the podcast. So we're doing a great job so far. <laughs> You've got to give the people what they want. And actually, <laughs> according to the metrics, more people listen from the city of Houston than anywhere else in the world. I think that might be because three of the four hosts are from the city of Houston. Yeah, so. I need to see these metrics, man. I'm not sure that they're as good as you're saying they are. Well, we know Hillary Clinton listens. We know Charlie Strong listens. I mean... There's a whole plethora of famous people that listen to our podcast, so it's, 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 it's honestly pretty great. I feel like I'm 25% of the listenership, but, but until I see these metrics, I guess I don't know for sure. Speaking of which, in terms of metrics, you can follow us on iTunes. Make sure that you go to iTunes and search Weekly Brew. Uh, give us five stars. Show us your appreciation. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Also, you can find us on Facebook.com and Twitter. You can search for Weekly Brewcast. Uh, we like to interact with our listeners, and honestly, we'd like to have some listener feedback. Uh, we actually had a few text messages this week from uh, a few of our listeners with uh, different ideas for segments. So we're going to try one of those out toward the end of the show, but stay tuned for that. Yeah, we've got a packed show on deck. It's time to sit back, grab a drink, listen, and be informed. Start with the big lead. The big lead. On Sunday morning, the Jacksonville Jaguars knocked off the Buffalo Bills in London's Wimberley Stadium. 
While games across the pond are no longer a novelty item as the NFL has expressed interest in moving a franchise to the UK, the $9 billion league teamed up with Yahoo to live stream the game so fans could watch with the world on their mobile devices and or tablets. Kevin, I watched the game on both my iPhone and Apple TV. I had no issues with streaming whatsoever. Uh, the quality was you know, remarkable. It was almost like I was watching a CBS broadcast on TV. Um, but the game was actually quite compelling as the Jaguars were up 27-3, managed to blow the, the lead as the Bills came storming back. Uh, but they ultimately won the game on a nice touchdown pass from Blake Bortles with about two or three minutes left in the game. What were your thoughts on the live stream? Well, the first thought I had was with the singing of the national anthem and i don't know if you were there for that portion of it but um i I can't remember who sang it but she was wearing i guess the sklar brothers described it as a red jumper which i think is accurate um she looked like she was in a movie someone made in 1982 about the year 2040 had a lot of zippers on it and so forth and i was sort of struck by singing our own national anthem in a foreign country and how um I don't know what that says about us as a country. I felt legitimately uncomfortable. Now, they sang God Save the Queen immediately afterward, but of course, the American national anthem was uh, front and center, and I felt discomfort sitting through that. I mean, have you ever experienced that, the singing of the national anthem in another country? Personally, I have not seen a sporting event in another country, but I do know that in the Major League Baseball playoffs, it's a little bit customary uh, for the national anthem of both countries of the teams playing to uh, be you know, performed. Uh, we looked this year in the baseball playoffs to the Toronto Blue Jays as they were hosting both the Texas Rangers and the Kansas City Royals. Now, when games were hosted in Toronto, they actually opened up with the Star Spangled Banner and then closed with, uh, what is the Canadian national anthem? Is it O Canada? I believe so. Um, but, you know, I think the crowd definitely enjoyed that. And I guess for the home country, you save the best for last. Uh, you give the people what they want. Um, so I don't necessarily find it that odd. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. It's... It's a little bit different. I, I definitely see where you're coming from since, you know, neither one of the teams is actually from that country. What is the link to the national anthem? I don't get it because, you know, I cover sports now and I hear the national anthem at every single sporting event I go to. So I spend a portion of my work day on my feet with my hand on my heart. Um, and I just not that I dislike it. I mean, it's it's fine. It's a really hard to sing national anthem Uh, i've certainly heard some terrible renditions of it but what is that link that exists in sports between like jingoism and patriotism and sporting itself why are those two kind of always linked hand in hand you know i think that's a good question i'm not sure that i have the answer to that i think uh you know america they there there seems to be this sense of patriotism maybe it dates back to uh one of the presidents going back uh, to you know, a baseball game in the early 1900s. What was it? Woodrow Wilson who threw out the first pitch, or was it President? I, uh, was it President Roosevelt who threw out uh, one of the first pitches at a baseball game? Uh, you know that ultimately led to the seventh inning stretch. So I, I imagine, you know, maybe it's something similar to that. Um, I, I definitely see your point, um, but it's it's not something that is just unique to the U.S. I mean, you look at the World Cup, you look at the Olympics. I mean, there is always a national anthem, you know, when that person wins, uh, you know, a gold medal. Uh, so maybe it's just a source of pride. Uh, but, you know, I just I don't know what the roots are for that. But, uh, you know, speaking more from a modern turn, I definitely enjoy watching big games on TV and seeing the over-unders for how long the national anthems are going to be. Uh, I think it's fun to see some of the, you know, the folks that I follow on Twitter uh, you know, just comment back and forth and, you know, oftentimes criticize the person singing if, you know, the national anthem is not up to par. But uh, I've I've been told that it is difficult to sing and 
Who knows? My suggestion, just keep it short and sweet. And if you think about the lyrics to the national anthem, right? The bombs bursting in air, those are bombs we're firing at whom? That is the ironic thing about you know, the national anthem being sung today in London. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's kind of like a, a giant, hey, you know, back 1776, you know, uh, we were fighting our, you know, for our independence, but now we're going to play the national anthem in your home stadium. Yeah, it is a song about bombing you and killing you, you know, for the right reasons, ostensibly, but just to remind you, it's kind of like a nice little middle finger. Like, hey, our whole anthem is about the war we fought with you for independence, which I'm fine with. You know, I don't, I'm not one of those... Uh, I'm not saying we shouldn't have fought for independence. Don't don't get that from this. But it's just it was a weird moment to have it. And then you compare it to the God Save the Queen, which was such a like sweet, simple little anthem next to this really sort of bombastic, extreme. And I assure you, I was in choir. It is difficult to sing the national anthem. I just it's uh it's always odd to hear that played on foreign soil. But uh, but that's just the beginning of the game. Of course, once we actually got into the game, uh, it. Uh, I think it became a little more interesting to me. But um, are you familiar with Seth Payne, you know, original Texan? He plays on Sports Radio 610 here in Houston. He actually hosts the, uh, I believe, the 10 o'clock show on Sports Radio 610. Great job, and uh, he's done a great job of broadcasting since retiring from the Texans. I absolutely love Seth Payne. You know, he went to Cornell. <clears throat> Maybe you've heard of it, uh, which, of course, is an uh, it's a good office reference. But, uh, yeah, he's one of my favorites. Really articulate, bright guy. But he actually recommended this week um, that when royalty comes over from Britain, there's no reason as Americans we shouldn't boo that royalty. I thought that was an interesting point. Like, why do we receive royalty with pomp and circumstance and so forth when we fought a war to get out from under them? So I, uh, I sort of side with him. I'm all in favor of, uh, you know, it's kind of an ugly American way of dealing with it. But yeah, I mean, I don't believe in royalty. I think it's foolish and silly. So uh, I, I'm with him. I think we should boo royalty. And that's, that's straight from the mouth of Seth Payne. If you're an American, you should boo royalty when you see them. Speaking of royalty, I don't know if there's anything that I find more obnoxious than the royal family and when they have a child and everyone here in America goes absolutely crazy to find out if it's a boy or a girl. I mean, seriously, America. I mean, we fought a war over this. Do we really care if it's a boy or girl? I mean, I, I don't understand the infatuation with the royal family in London. Or, I'm sorry, in the UK. I mean, I don't understand it anywhere. It's, it's, it's just celebrities, but they're sort of... I don't know. What did the Kardashians do to become celebrities? Their dad was like OJ's lawyer. I don't, I don't understand that either. It's all kind of mysterious to me, but people need something like that. So the Royals are just a holdover from a time when celebrity was sort of hereditary, I guess. Uh, and to an extent it is. Jaden Smith is still in movies after all. We discussed the Royal family, but getting back to the game, uh, Katie Nolan, I'm not sure if you're familiar with who she is. She hosts Garbage Time on Fox Sports 1. Uh, she sent out a tweet this morning saying that she was pleasantly surprised to find that the quality of this Yahoo stream is inversely related to the quality of football being played. Uh, you know, I definitely uh, liked that, you know, I had the ability to stream the game on my phone. Uh, a few years ago, I was actually traveling in Germany. Uh, we were doing a, uh, a, a mission trip trying to uh, identify places where we could teach football to little kids. We had partnered with a, a local church there. We were working with some uh, orphans uh, at a school, teaching them, you know, America's pastime, I guess, if you will. Wow. Uh, and there was a Sunday afternoon uh, over in Berlin, and we were trying to find a place to watch the Texans game. This is before the Texans were absolutely atrocious as they are now. Uh, but they were playing the Baltimore Ravens, and we searched, I don't know, probably two days online trying to find a venue that was playing the game. And we found a hostel in East Berlin, and we were able to go there, watch it, meet some other Americans that wanted to watch uh, American football. But it got me thinking that it would be nice to be able to stream that on my phone or tablet, uh, you know, while I'm at uh, the apartment that I was staying in. Uh, and now Yahoo has provided that. I mean, do you see this as a, a long-term solution uh, for business travelers or to engage more people throughout the world into buying into the $9 billion 
dollar product that the NFL has. I mean, uh, Adam Cahan, I think is his name, or Cahan, whoever it is, uh, Yahoo's mobile chief, he definitely thinks that this is the future, and certainly a lot of people on Twitter thought it was as well. Now, I also had no problems with the stream. Um, however, if you were on Twitter and you were looking up that hashtag, watch with the world, it was just an unadulterated morass of people complaining and being negative about the quality of the stream. So to just to look at that feed on Twitter, you would think that it was a disaster. But everything I'm hearing from media outlets says that it was successful. So I'm guessing that's just an example of Twitter showcasing people complaining and being like a negative forum. I guess the you know the positive people don't make comments about it or whatever. But uh, but yeah, this seems like a step forward to me. I mean, I was able to watch it very easily. Um, I enjoyed the broadcast, and that was basically just a CBS broadcast through Yahoo. So it wasn't anything exciting or new like I was kind of hoping for. Um, I mean, in reality, I was hoping they would crash and burn so we'd have something a little more interesting to talk about than just the poor quality of the play. But, uh, but it was a success, I think, and I think that they did a good job. And the accessibility of this does seem to be um, a selling point. But again, the numbers are yet to be out, so we're not quite sure how many were reached or how successful this really was. Yahoo CEO uh, Marissa Mayer said that the ad inventory had sold out in more than 30 sponsors. However, initial asking prices for a 30-second spot were going for $200,000 up until this week. Uh, industry sources suggest that those, neighbors, or those numbers fell to 50000 toward the end of the week. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting to see if this model continues with companies like Facebook, Google, and Netflix really uh, you know, kind of amping up their mobile strategy. But we look at it that this is not the first time that we've seen live streaming in sports. I mean, obviously, you look at the Olympics uh, with Sochi in 2014, London and 2012. Um, NBC, since you know uh, the games were taking place in a different time zone, decided to live stream and offer those games you know, on uh, NBCSports.com and uh, via their Olympics app. And the numbers were just phenomenal. Uh, I mean, people were able I, – I, I believe the numbers – uh, looking this up right now, it says mobile unique users rocketed in 2012 with 10.1 million uniques from NBC Olympics mobile website compared to just 6.5 million, you know, four years before. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, this seems like the future. People want information. They want to have all of this access within the palm of their hand. And I think this is a smart thing for the NFL to do. And if, you know, the ratings turn out to be good and the ad revenue turns out to be good, I think this is something that we can see long-term. It's interesting you talk about the advertising pricing drop because uh, we were kind of talking about before the show, the disparity in like the quality of advertisers. So you have like Emirates Airline with the uh, Jennifer Aniston spot. Obviously she doesn't work. She doesn't get out of bed for, you know, less than millions of dollars. And then on the other end of it, you have like Totino's, uh, which I found those commercials kind of interesting. We were talking about how they sort of portrayed realistic dorm room situations in which a poor person might live. And I count myself among those at the moment. I don't make a lot doing what I do, but um, it really was sort of almost crushingly, depressingly realistic. It's portrayal of where Totino's might actually be cooked. And so I think maybe that maybe that's what's responsible for that disparity in the quality of advertisers was the way the price dropped at the end. So they may have sold some spots early on to Emirates and American <laughs> Express. And then at the end of the day, when they're trying to give them away, they have people like Totino's or Snickers or Esurance uh, coming in to buy those up. So that that I think that we put our finger on it. That explains how you have that wide polarity in the advertising quality. One company that you did not mention was DraftKings.com. That's correct. I thought that was a little bit odd that uh, DraftKings or FanDuel, which you know currently 
I, I would say, you know, just absolutely dominate uh, NFL or ESPN or Fox Sports right now with their daily fantasy. But you brought up a very interesting point before we started recording today that one of the reasons why Yahoo did not have DraftKings or FanDuel advertising is because they are trying to push their own daily fantasy platform. Yeah, and the commercial was uninspiring, but what was inspiring was the conspicuous absence of the like omnipresent DraftKings and FanDuel, um, you know, uh, I don't even know what the, the the ownership that they have of like, you know, these advertising spots, you see them constantly. So for me, the most encouraging thing about this was, yeah, I had to watch a really crappy football game um, with a great broadcast broadcasting crew. But more importantly, I didn't have to watch DraftKings, FanDuel or Viagra uh, or any of these other low T, right? Have you ever been accused of having low T listening to sports or watching sports. That happens to me all the time. So those sorts of absences really made the experience a lot more palatable for me. It's definitely an interesting thing to watch. And I can't wait to hear what Yahoo reports as their uh, you know demographics, how many people watch. I think this is going to be telling. And I think other advertisers and other companies are just sitting back waiting, hoping that the results turn out well. But uh, if this is a success, you know, I, I can't imagine, uh, you know, the NFL not moving forward, especially when you have marquee games, you know, the Super Bowl or, you know, for example, today with the Jets and Patriots playing. Uh, I think it's it's those types of games that could take this to the next level. The other thing about the game was it's always interesting to transplant really like Americana type stuff in foreign places. So I don't, I don't know who the lead ref was. I forgot to look it up. But he kind of had like a George W. Bush sort of twang to his voice. And so every time he called out a penalty, I was always amused because I knew that he talked like no one else in that stadium talked. And I just wondered what that spectacle was like for the people that have these really clean, crisp British accents, you know, the way that people aspire to talk the the king's english i guess they call it um and then having this sort of uh down homie sort of southern guy calling out the uh, penalties was just amusing to me one thing that i did find amusing as well was watching the broadcast you could you know they would pan to the crowd and you would see san francisco 49ers jerseys seattle seahawks jerseys kansas city chiefs teams that were not playing in this game uh, and I just found it interesting. I, I mean, you wouldn't see that here in the NFL. I mean, you would see the home team, uh, you know, the away team, and maybe a troll or two, um, you know, wearing their, uh, you know, Dallas Cowboys jersey or something to that nature. But I think it's kind of interesting to see how, uh, you know, the city of London has responded to the NFL. Uh, it seems to be a great thing. The NFL, uh, you know, when they first started playing games over there, would put in one game per year now it's two games per year and the nfl just extended a contract i think ultimately the nfl does want a franchise in london and they've also expressed interest in playing in games in other countries such as mexico uh so i think the nfl they they truly do want to be an international brand and it's interesting to see how london has become a success and I'll be curious to see if the NFL maybe makes a bold move and decides to host a Super Bowl in London. Obviously, they want to be international. Do you think that the league really wants a team based in London, or do you think that these international series games that draw some Londoners are enough to sort of satisfy that appetite? I think Roger Goodell has made it pretty clear that he wants a team in London. Uh, I think his first priority is to get a team in Los Angeles. And uh, San Diego Chargers announced on Friday that that was their plan. Is they were going, to, they're going to announce a plan to relocate uh, this January. But I think the NFL they need to find out a logistical way to make this happen. Uh, I don't think it's something that's going to happen in the near future. I think long term, within you know five to ten years, uh, that could be Goodell's timeline. Uh, but you know, if you are going to have a team in London, how is that going to work scheduling wise? Um, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to see. How this works out, if they almost have like a 
you know, a European wing to the NFL. Um, yeah, I was going to say, you have to have a division over there. You can't have a single team. That just would never work. And so then you're talking about much more. I mean, that's a lot of expansion, isn't it? Uh, it is. But, I mean, right now, I mean, you've got teams looking to move. I mean, Jacksonville, their teams barely support them. Uh, St. Louis Rams, uh, you know, they're looking for a new stadium. They're looking to possibly get out of St. Louis. The Chargers have already expressed interest. The Oakland Raiders aren't happy with their lack of new stadium in the Bay Area. So, I mean, teams are willing to move. It's just a, it's just a matter of not. It's it's just a matter of where they land. And I guess we'll see how all of that shakes out within the next few years. I would hate to see uh, Oakland move from Oakland because that city has such a um, rich and terrible history. I mean, it's it's not good. It's violent. It's awful. But it's kind of a part of the flavor of the league. And I think you really lose something if Oakland departs from Oakland. Uh, what do you think? I don't know that people want. Oakland. I don't think they want the Raiders to leave Oakland. I think the problem is the city is not willing to build a new stadium. I know a few years ago there were rumors going around that uh, the 49ers and uh, the Raiders they were going to have a, a shared stadium similar to what the Giants and the Jets have up in uh, you know New York. However, that didn't really materialize. And Oakland, you know, now they see Le- Levi's Stadium in San Francisco getting this, you know, brand new facility that's going to host the Super Bowl. And honestly, uh, the Raiders, they play in a dump. Uh, they share it with uh, Oakland Athletics, and you watch games, and it's just the sight lines are terrible. It's just not a great venue. And I think people still love and have a passion for the Raiders, even though, uh, you know, they've struggled uh, almost, you know, as a franchise this past decade, but they still have a passionate fan base, uh, you know, with the black hole. But I don't know. I think they deserve better, especially uh, in an era in which all of these, you know, teams are spending millions and millions of dollars on new stadiums. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the taxpayers and whether or not they want to shell out that extra money for a football team. They really have no ties to so it's it's kind of a interesting scenario interesting situation and uh you know if los angeles is a suitor i mean a team like uh the raiders could find themselves there i, I mean i mean they've done it in the past yeah that would just be that would be sad to me personally but you're right i mean it's a business this is really not about telling stories so much as making money and that may be where the money is but i just don't know how expansion overseas is going to work. Uh, and I think it's a lot to bite off, especially when the league has a lot of problems upcoming uh, about you know concussions and, and health care and the way that players are treated after they are done playing. I think that there's a lot of issues on the horizon and expansion overseas may be a bit optimistic at this point. You're listening to The Weekly Brew. Kevin, you're an NBA guy and the season tips off with a full slate of games. But before we dive into our season preview, we'd like to offer our condolences uh, just a few days ago, the Minnesota Timberwolves announced that head coach Flip Saunders might not coach the season as he battles Hodgkin's lymphoma. Sadly, the T-Wolves issued a statement Sunday morning that Coach Saunders has passed away at the age of 60. Uh, sad news out of Minnesota. And that's really surprising, too. I mean, I'd heard that things weren't uh, going as well, but everyone seemed to be optimistic about some kind of a turnaround. So very sad news to come out. Of course, Flip's a great guy. I don't know if there's a single person affiliated with the NBA I know that doesn't um, enjoy or like Flip. I don't really hear a lot of bad things about the guy. So this is uh, sad news that he has passed away and, and pretty young, too. Switching gears here for a second. Uh, the NBA, again, tips off Wednesday night. Uh, you know, NBA title odds, I think a lot of people look toward Las Vegas and to see kind of how they fluctuate, which teams are the favorites, which teams aren't. 
Uh, of course, the Cleveland Cavaliers are currently the Vegas odds-on favorite to win the NBA title at 14-5, to followed closely by the San Antonio Spurs at 4-1, to the Warriors at 5-1, to the Thunder at 8-1, to the Clippers at 13-1, to and the local team, the Houston Rockets, at 20-1. to Who do you see as the front runners this year for the NBA title, and can LeBron actually bring a championship back to Cleveland? I just think that the Warriors uh, are getting validated for all the complaints they had about being disrespected. I mean, this is a team that handily won the championship and granted against a depleted uh, Cleveland squad that was basically just LeBron. But on the other hand, I don't know if we saw enough out of Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving to assume that it would have been massively different had they been playing. So I I don't see why the Warriors aren't the favorite. If I still gambled, and I don't, you guys know that I gave that up uh, years ago, but... This is kind of tempting. I would get back in and put some money on the Warriors because uh, they're a great team. Uh, I mean, I think they're only getting better, too, with their stars being young and, and getting more time together. Um, and they play the way that the league plays now. You know, a lot of threes, a lot of stuff close to the rim. They get after on defense. Uh, I don't see why that team isn't the favorite, but we're just all as a culture in love with LeBron and what he can do and what he brings to a team and that city. So, I mean, if we're talking storylines, obviously I'd love for Cleveland to bring home that championship, but I don't see why the Warriors aren't the favorite. I mean, can you think of a reason why they shouldn't be? I mean, honestly, I think some people might believe that, uh, you know, Seth Curry, you know, had a remarkable year. Um, but I think some people might think that it was a fluke. Uh, and, you know, there are better teams out there like the Spurs uh, who upgraded in the offseason with Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, I, I don't know, though. I mean, I they were the NBA champs and arguably one of the best teams in NBA history in terms of wins, offensive production. And, you know, they actually played defense when it counted. Um, I honestly don't know how they have the third best odds. I mean, I would put them at least in the top two. But uh, I definitely think that the West is going to be an interesting uh, battle this year. I mean, there are so many good teams, but so many question marks. I mean, how does Anthony Davis develop? How does Kevin Durant come back and at, you know uh, with Oklahoma City in a, a potential contract year? I mean, is this his last year in Oklahoma City? Uh, do the Rockets, you know, do they take a step forward? Last year they were the number two seed. Does James Harden continue at his MVP pace? Uh, and you know, how do the Rockets benefit with additions of guys like Ty Lawson, but with a loss like Josh Smith, uh, who head over to the Clippers? I mean. There are definitely so many interesting storylines in play in the NBA this season. Uh, I, I just can't wait to see a tip off and to see how things develop over this 82-game stretch. Well, what happened to the Detroit Pistons when Josh Smith left town? Uh, they actually, I think, won, what was it, seven straight games? Yeah, something like that. I can't remember exactly, but they reeled off a bunch of straight wins. So that's what happens when you take Josh Smith off of a team. You win a bunch of games. So I like that addition by subtraction. Ty Lawson, uh, from a talent standpoint, is I mean, I think it's an underrated signing. Um, and, of course, Daryl Morey has deserved uh, executive of the year, I think, on a number of different occasions. And if this Ty Lawson trade works out, then he may be like the undeniable choice for that. I know he's hated around the league by people he's swindled, but uh, but this may be the year they have to give it to him. Because I really see that Ty Lawson is fitting in um, as the real complimentary piece that James Harden needs to have an effective uh, you know offense out there on the, on the court that isn't just James Harden. So there's going to be a lot of cuts, uh, a lot of rim runs that I think that uh, this team will benefit from. Young talent like Clint Capella. I mean, have you, have you been watching any of the preseason action? Yeah, I've watched a few of the games, and Capella's a guy who just emerged uh, in, in the postseason. I mean, it was phenomenal to watch him develop in uh, those uh, types of games. But, you know, another young guy that you mentioned, uh, Sam Decker, I mean, he's had a few uh, positive games. And, I mean, he's young. We'll see how many minutes he gets a season. But you had mentioned uh, Ty Lawson. I think that's a, a huge uh, win for the Rockets to be able to add him and to add depth at point guard behind Patrick Beverly. I mean, Patrick Beverly, when he went down in the postseason, I felt that that, uh, you know, 
I, I was honestly surprised that the Rockets were able to make it as far as they did without a true point guard. I mean, I know James Harden runs the point on many occasions, but, you know, Patrick Beverly's a guy who plays such a solid brand of defense and to not be able to post him up on Seth Curry, uh, you know, I think probably hindered the Rockets a little bit last year, but it's definitely an exciting team to watch. And uh, I'm greatly looking forward to the start of the season. One concern I do have about Ty Lawson. Uh, have you heard his comments about uh, whether or not he needed to go to rehab? I have not. Okay, so Ty Lawson, uh, I can't remember who he told this. It was like TMZ. Yeah, I think it was TMZ. Uh, despite two DUI arrests this year, this would be his third in total because he got arrested in college as well, says he does not believe he's an alcoholic. He made two dumb mistakes and didn't really need to go to rehab. Now, he's forgetting that he was also arrested for DUI in college. But um, I read those things. He says, I still honestly don't think I would have had to go in there if it wasn't court ordered. I just made two dumb mistakes, but I did take things from the rehab facility. And I hope he means like things that he learned, not... Um, in property, but, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's worrisome to me, especially in a town like Houston, which Houston's not what it used to be, but used to be like in the late eighties, early nineties, Houston was kind of known, particularly in the NBA as being like the strip club drinking party city. People love to come to Houston. And I've even heard, um, like Calvin Murphy talk about how Houston had a bit of an edge because players from out of town would come in, go to the strip clubs, get really liquored up and then not play as well the next day, you know, partying too much. So, uh, I just, I worry about him in this kind of environment. And I don't know what kind of locker room the Rockets have. I don't see the sort of veteran, uh, leadership, and you know the even kill that I would want to see taking a talent like this who could easily fall apart. I mean, if he gets arrested again, that's that's big trouble for him and for the Rockets organization. So I was disheartened. You know, I have some history. Uh, I'm in recovery myself. I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober a while. And when I read that, I didn't need rehab. That's a red flag to me. And I got to say, I'm concerned about the Rockets and Ty Lawson. I definitely think the immaturity in the locker room could be an issue. I mean, you look at... James Harden as being the leader, I guess, for the team. Uh, but he's young. Uh, I don't know that he has that uh, command in the locker room. I mean, obviously, he's a talented guy, but uh, I think he showed some immaturity this offseason, uh, especially with uh, the whole Adidas-Nike scandal. Uh, if you want to call it a scandal, it's probably the wrong word to use. But uh, also, you look at one of the other veteran guys in the locker room, Dwight Howard. I mean, Dwight is a guy that is known as you know kind of being soft around the league uh and so i'm just not sure that he can command a locker room but then you've got you know veterans like jason terry so maybe it's those guys that can provide some sort of leadership you know by example for ty lawson i would certainly hope so i gotta say this is terrible because i am a total homer i love the rockets as much as anyone some of the few memories i have you know that are really positive with my father of watching rockets championship run games things like that so there's a deep nostalgic part of me that loves the rockets and that's one of the reasons i love the nba so much i don't love the character of this team. I mean, I root for them. I watch them. I think they're enjoyable, but it's like they don't have the same kind of people that I fell in love with when I was younger. And I wonder if that's a product of the media age when we know so much about these people. Like, what do we know about Dwight Howard? Well, Zach Lowe can't write an article about Dwight Howard without mentioning at least eight or nine times how much he farts. So I wonder if some of the luster has just been taken out by the way that we interact with the league these days or whether this team's actually not as fun to root for uh, as teams in the past have been. Do you think social media plays any role into this? I mean, it plays a role, of course. I don't want to say that, like, you know, it's changed the entire landscape of human interaction because it's just another way for people to interact. And people are going to be people, which is a bad thing on the whole. But uh, but certainly, I feel like I know a lot about them. Like, I wish that I didn't know about James Harden's relationship with Khloe Kardashian because that, more than Lawson saying he doesn't need rehab, that gives me chills. That's just a crazy situation in itself. I mean, 
you don't expect your NBA players. I mean, just go back 10, 15 years ago. I mean, you would never see uh, Hakeem or Clyde Drexler end up on TMZ for you know being drunk out of a night outside of a nightclub in Los Angeles wearing Nike, uh, but yelling the praises of Adidas. I mean, that was actually a news story. Uh, you know, just a month ago. I mean, that's insane and that's something that you wouldn't see you know 15 20 years ago with old rockets uh so i i do agree that you know maybe this could be a distraction for the team but at the end of the day it's it's what happens on the court and that's the most important thing and in terms of what happens on the court james harden with the nba players association pick uh for mvp last season which i think carries even more weight to me personally than the media pick um i think that he's angry uh, he certainly has been vocal about the fact that Steph Curry didn't deserve the MVP in his opinion. And I think he's going to go out there and earn it this year. And he's going to have a lot of help from Lawson uh, and a really, really deep Rockets squad. So I'm excited to see it. Um, and I'm really looking forward to uh, what I think is going to be an NBA Finals run this year for the Rockets. So you're saying the Rockets are going to win the West? I think so. Barring uh, who comes out barring injury uh, or something catastrophic, you know, I just the, the way that things are projected. If everybody stays healthy, I think the Rockets have uh, a really good shot at, at being in the NBA Finals. In terms of who comes out of the East, everybody's picking the Cavs, and I am um, I'm not as confident. I got to tell you, a sneaky team I love is uh, the Wizards. I've watched a lot of their preseason stuff. They look really sharp. Uh, John Wall is a transcendent talent. He might be a sneaky MVP candidate if the uh, Wizards are able to get up around that 50 win mark. Um, so keep an eye out for that. But, uh, I think that, I think the East is going to be more interesting this year. It's not going to be as, um, deplorably bad as it has been in the past few years. I think you're going to see some, uh, new teams kind of take a step forward. So, but again, I mean, it's hard to pick against, uh, the Cavs and the Bulls, but the the Wizards are going to be in the mix there as well. The Wizards definitely made a a remarkable playoff run last year in the postseason. Uh, and if you look at the Vegas odds right now, they are 65 to one to win the Eastern Conference. Uh, so they're heavy underdogs to the Cleveland Cavaliers. But you talk about another team that could be on the uh, the edge of breaking through, a team that snuck into the playoffs last year just one slot ahead of the, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, Anthony Davis, arguably one of the top five players in the game, a great young talent. That team with a lot of young players was able to get valuable playoff exposure last year. Of course, they fell short. They went into the buzzsaw that was the Warriors. Uh, but do you see them possibly being a dark horse in the West? Look, I had the uh, fortune of being at the University of Texas for uh, a single year. Uh, I dropped out of there. I went back to the University of Houston. And, of course, I'm an alum of uh, U of H. Go Cougars. But while I was at Texas, I had the pleasure of watching them win uh, the national title uh, with Vince Young and of watching Kevin Durant play. And I knew that he was something really special. And I really looked forward to watching him develop in the NBA. And I got to say, Anthony Davis, watching him has surpassed even that uh, sort of transcendent trajectory that Durant had. I mean, Davis is just getting better at an alarming rate. He is, I mean, is it crazy to think that in 20 years we'll look back and say, yeah, that's the greatest guy to ever play in the NBA. Like you got, you know, uh, your big names, obviously, like your uh, Michael Jordan is up there for sure. Um, I think that Anthony Davis has the physical tools, the drive to surpass him. I think that all he needs is to have a team put around him. And sadly, what we see right now is that team is falling apart due to injuries. Um, it's going to be a struggle. So I'm not sure if this is the season for them, but Anthony Davis is the guy to watch. I mean, if you haven't seen him, 
where on earth have you been? Everybody's talking about him. And if you have seen him, you know he can do it on both ends of the floor. He's got all kinds of offensive game. He really gets after it. And he's just a fun guy to watch and root for. So I think that there's no question he's going to win two or three MVPs in this league before it's all said and done. It's just crazy how much talent, if, if you do want to look at divisions, is in that division. I mean, you've got Harden. You've got Aldridge. You've got Kawhi Leonard. Uh, you've got Dirk, who's kind of fading. But you've got Anthony Davis. And I think he's just the future of the NBA. Uh, I mean, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, one, if he stays in New Orleans uh, when his rookie contract comes out. There's no way. And two, if he does, who do you, who do you see him going to then? I don't know. It's it's hard to say at this point with the landscape changing so much. Obviously, the salary cap's going to rise uh, a great deal uh, and then fall back a little bit and then continue to rise. So the landscape personnel-wise is going to change drastically in the next uh, couple of seasons. So I'm looking forward to watching that. I think it's too early to say where he's likely to go. I don't know if he has any sort of hometown ties like Durant to Washington or anything like that. But um, but I don't, I mean, do you see him staying in New Orleans? Is there any way? I mean, I think he could stay in New Orleans if New Orleans shells out the money and brings in other elite talent. But that's the thing. I mean, New Orleans, it's a, it's, it's a party city. Uh, and and so I, I wonder if NBA players do want to go there, if, if that is a destination city. I mean, you see... You know, New York and L.A. is kind of the two big uh, hubs for NBA players. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if, if they can hold on to a talent like that. I mean, obviously, uh, they got rid of Chris Paul. Um, you know, they couldn't keep him around. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when his contract does come up, I think it'll be very interesting to see if they are able to re-sign him. And uh, if not, maybe where he goes. But one of the things that you just mentioned was Kevin Durant in Washington, uh, how he does have that tie back to his AAU days. Do you see him as a guy that could end up in a Wizards uniform next year? And if so, you know, he'd be moving in with John Wall, you know, just reaching the prime of his career. I mean, could this be a legitimate one-two punch in the East that could give LeBron and Cleveland a run? It's fun to talk about. And as a matter of fact, it's so fun to talk about that Durant himself can't help but talk about it. Even as he says things like, you know, I'm not going to talk about that. This season's all about the Thunder. And then he'll sort of pause and go, you know, but I love I love Washington. I love watching Wall. And he'll give a lot of credence to this idea that maybe that's where he's going to end up. So I think he's almost gushing. It's like he can't help himself. Uh, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of... Uh, weight that that being from that town carries uh, and having that connection to the town. Like if you look at Derrick Rose, I mean, that guy is Chicago and there's a lot of responsibility and downside that comes with that. But you'd never mention Derrick Rose without mentioning the Chicago connection. And I just, I do see Durant being drawn in that direction. I I can't wait to see it because I think that Wall's a much better pairing for him than a Russell Westbrook. Um, I mean, both uh, great point guards. You could make the argument Westbrook's the better player, but in terms of who Durant would be better to fit in with long-term, I like John Wall. I mean, I think, I think that Durant may very well go to the Washington Wizards, and um, I think it's a better place for him, honestly. We've talked about our uh, you know kind of favorites real quick, but if you are a gambling person and you do like long shots, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers are 1,000 to 1 uh, to win the NBA championship this year. So I don't think that's going to be happening. But, uh, Kevin, just to reiterate, uh, you picked the Rockets come out of the West, and your champion for the NBA uh, finals this year is... Well, it feels like a homer call. Um, I think this is the Rockets' year. I mean, I really do. They made the moves to get where they need to be. Their depth is tremendous. Kevin McHale has really brought me around. Early on, I was kind of a McHale hater. Not as a player. I loved his career. But I thought that he... um, lacked some of the X's and O's fundamentals to be a great coach in this league. But players love playing for him. And he's really turned me around in terms of how I view him. I think that he's a possible coach of the year candidate as well as Daryl Morey being executive of the year candidate. And um, I just it feels like the Rockets here this year. It might just be in a crazy homer. 
I don't think so. I mean, I think Kevin McHale definitely, uh, you know, I, I bought into him last year, especially with that, that game against the Clippers and game six where they were uh, getting blown out in Los Angeles. He decided to make that bold move to sit uh, James Harden out in the fourth quarter. And Josh Smith, a guy that we referenced a little bit earlier, just came and uh, took over. And, you know, I thought that was a great coaching decision and obviously has Hall of Fame credentials. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, the Rockets are going to be there. I think James Harden, if he stays healthy, is going to make another run at MVP. Uh, but one team that I will put as, you know, my favorite right now uh, is the Spurs. Uh, you know, I love Craig Popovich as a coach. I mean, he's uh, he was just named as the head coach for USA Basketball following the Rio 2016 Olympic Games. Uh, but when you have a guy like, you know, Kawhi Leonard as a defender who kind of struggled a little bit in the playoffs, so I was a little uh, disappointed to see that. But, uh, you know, when you add a piece like LaMarcus Aldridge, who can learn under the great, like, you know, uh, you know Tim Duncan, uh, and then when you're able to have that talent, have that depth, and keep your veterans, uh, you know, playing minimal minutes so they're rested and ready to go in the postseason. Uh, I just don't know that you can look past the Spurs this year. But I think the three elite teams in my eyes are going to be the Spurs, the Warriors, and the Rockets. Uh, I don't know how the seedings are going to work out. I don't know who's going to have home field. Uh, but if, if I'm going with my gut right now, I say the Spurs come out of the West. And, you know, I'm just going to go chonk and say that uh, the Cavs come out of the East and I don't know. I think Pop owns LeBron, and I just see more heartbreak for Cleveland getting to a final again and losing to the Spurs. I mean, it's early in the season. I'd love to see the Rockets there. I mean, there was nothing better than going to the playoff games last year and seeing Clutch City, see this town rally around the Houston Rockets. But if I'm making my pick right now, San Antonio wins the West and takes the NBA title. And I'm glad you're on record saying that because I think that the San Antonio experiment with LaMarcus Aldridge is going to take some time if it does gel. Now, Pop's unquestionably the best coach in the league, one of the best coaches of all time. Um, He'll be in that conversation for best coach of all time when it's all said and done, I think. Uh, And, of course, being selected to the uh, USA national team is only going to add to that resume. But I just don't see it happening for the Spurs this year. Now, David West took... Um, astonishingly less money to go play for Pop and the Spurs. That's a really interesting twist, I think. But I don't know. This feels like an off year for them. So if I'm wrong, I'll be happy to have you play this audio down the road and remind me. But I think that you're a little high on the Spurs. I think a lot of people are a little high on the Spurs. And if I were treating this like one of those corny buy-sell segments, I would say sell your Spurs stock now. Well, NBA, again, tips off this week. We'll be tweeting about it all week long. Uh, you can, again, follow us on Twitter at Weekly Brewcast. You can follow myself at A. Staten, and you can follow Kevin at K. Michael Cook on Twitter. Uh, we'll definitely be chatting NBA, so we want to interact. We want to hear who you think are the uh, you know the favorites in the, in the NBA. I mean, we've got listeners all across the state of Texas and throughout the country. Uh, you know, we've got Mavs fans, Spurs fans, Rockets fans. Uh, let us know who you think should win the NBA title or who you put on as your odds-on favorites. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at Weekly Brewcast. You're listening to the Weekly Brew. Now for a new segment actually submitted to us by one of our listeners, Ross Davis. Uh, he suggested that we kind of go around the horn and talk about things that we are interested in or looking forward to for the remainder of the week. So, Kevin, what are what is one thing that you're looking forward to this week? In terms of what I'm looking forward to this week, it's very simple. It's the start of the NBA season and all the excitement that that brings with it. As you guys know, I'm a big NBA aficionado. That is my thing. I'm a league pass fanatic. So I uh, have watched more preseason games than I care to admit, and obviously it's just not the same uh, as when they're out there competing for that 82-game grind. So this week opens up uh, on Tuesday with Pistons-Hawks. 
you'd have to be an NBA fan to be excited about that one. But uh, uh, we have Pelicans Warriors as well. Uh, I can't wait to see Anthony Davis in real-time action. He's looked absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and then the Warriors have that chip on their shoulder. Nobody thinks that they had uh, what it took to be a real champion, that they had a, uh, an easy path to the championship. Uh, I disagree. Uh, I think they deserved it, but uh, certainly they're going to look to prove all the doubters wrong. Uh, and then Wednesday night, uh, we have my own beloved Rockets playing the Nuggets. I'll be sitting courtside, courtesy of my father. Thanks, Dad. Shout out to Mark Cook. Uh, and then maybe getting into the presser afterwards, depending on how the Rockets uh, media staff treats me in the next couple of days. But uh, just an exciting week upcoming in the NBA, and I'm going to be deep into it. Um, if you guys don't have League Pass, you should get League Pass, and you should use the hashtag League Pass Alert uh, if you see something cool happening, because that's how all of us on the end uh, communicate to one another that that's what's going down, that something cool is happening on League Pass. So I'll be there. Uh, of course, my Twitter handle, at KMichaelCook. Uh, if you guys are NBA guys, definitely tweet at me if that's something that people do. I think that we say tweet at me. Uh, but in any case, uh, certainly get a hold of me on Twitter, and uh, I'd love to talk basketball with you. That's what I'm looking forward to this week. Of course, definitely NBA crazy. As for me, I think it's actually two things that I'm looking forward to. Uh, one is going to be the GOP debate that's taking place on Wednesday night. I think we'll start to see some candidates drop from the race as funds are you know, beginning to dry up and poll numbers just aren't improving for the lower tiered candidates. And the second thing is sports related. Definitely looking forward to the World Series as the Royals take on the Mets. Uh, I think it should be a good one with two young-ish teams battling it out during the Fall Classic. Closing time. All right, guys, we had a fun episode tonight. We discussed the NFL going to Europe and Yahoo's live stream. We've also discussed the NBA and what to look for as the 2015 season kicks, actually, as the 2015 season tips off this week. Uh, Kevin, go ahead and tell the listeners how they can find us and what they can do. Everybody that's listening to this should go to iTunes, find us, The Weekly Brew, subscribe, and leave a review. The review should only be five stars, uh, and you should leave some sort of a blurb talking about how informative, how delightful, and how entertaining we are. Uh, that helps us a lot. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Weekly Brewcast. Uh, go like us on Facebook. We uh, post a lot of our stuff there, and certainly if we interact with you, we'd love to have some interaction on Facebook. And then for Twitter, it's at Weekly Brewcast, and my personal Twitter handle is at Cook. All right. Well, this has been the 12th episode of the Weekly Brew. Again, my name is Austin Statton, and for my co-host tonight, Kevin Cook, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Weekly Brew.